0: Hello, and welcome to The World's Last Night. My name is James Thayer. Today, we are in chapter 18 of Exodus. It's a decently short chapter, and it really just centers around an old character coming back around to help out Moses and Israel. So we're going to begin in verse 1. Moses' father-in-law, Jethro, the priest of Midian, heard about everything that God had done for Moses and his people Israel, and how the Lord had brought Israel out of Egypt. Now Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, Had taken in Zipporah, Moses' wife, after he had sent her back, along with her two sons, one of whom was named Gershom, because Moses had said, I have been a stranger in a foreign land, and the other, Eliezer, because he had said, The God of my father was my helper and delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. So, uh, at a certain time, apparently, maybe during the plagues, Moses had sent Zipporah back to live with her dad. Moses' father-in-law. And we remember, uh, I believe we remember Gershom being born, but since this time, Eliezer has been born, and he got a better name. I mean, the God of my father was my helper and delivered me from Pharaoh's sword. So this is probably after, well, yeah, obviously it has to be after they came back and brought the plagues against Egypt. So he's reunited with his wife, his two children, and his father-in-law. Verse 5, Moses' father-in-law Jethro, along with Moses' wife and sons, came to him in the wilderness where he was camped at the mountain of God. Now, keep in mind, a wilderness, in the New Testament at least, well, in the Old Testament here, refers to a desert. Not necessarily what in America we, we would call a wilderness, you know, lots of trees and whatnot. This is most likely desert land. Okay, so they came to him in the wilderness where he camped at the mountain of God. He sent word to Moses, I, your father-in-law Jethro, am coming to you with your wife and her two sons. So Moses went out to meet his father-in-law, bowed down, and then kissed him. So this is a great sign of respect. Moses is not filled with pride, even though he is now the leader of a great people, a multitude, and has been given a mantle of leadership by God, he still vows down to his father-in-law, showing respect and deference. They asked each other how they had been and went into the tent. Moses recounted to his father-in-law all that the Lord had done to the Pharaoh and the Egyptians for Israel's sake, all the hardships that confronted them on the way, and how the Lord delivered them. Jethro rejoiced over all the good things the Lord had done for Israel when he rescued them from the Egyptians. "'Blessed is the Lord!' Jethro exclaimed." who rescued you from Pharaoh and the power of the Egyptians and snatched the people from the power of the Egyptians. Now I know that the Lord is greater than all gods because he did wonders at the time. The Egyptians acted arrogantly against Israel. Then Jethro, Moses, father-in-law I keep having to be that's reiterated like the fifth time. Now brought a burnt offering and sacrifices to God. And Aaron came with all the elders of Israel to eat a meal with with Moses, father-in-law in God's presence. I believe we talked about burnt offerings just in case this would be an animal, whatever would be prescribed. Now, the law hasn't really been handed down yet, but you're going to hear this a lot more. Um, And it is ritualistically sacrificed, and then a portion of it might be left on the altar, and the other portion is then eaten. Sometimes a whole portion is eaten. I guess we had the the Passover lamb. We did kind of talk about that a little bit. okay. the next day, Moses sat down to judge the people that's important that's kind of the big big deal about this chapter and they stood around Moses from morning until evening. so we're going to get to the book of judges, which is literally people set up in order to um, settle disputes among the Israelites. You're talking about, you know, 2 million people, give or take. There's just going to be all kinds of justice that needs to be dealt with. So, two people have an issue. They're they're coming to Moses to give him, a, I guess, a judgment between the two in order to figure out what would, what's just and what they need to do. So, he's doing this from morning until evening. When Moses' father-in-law saw everything he was doing for them, he asked, What is this thing you're doing for the people? Why are you alone sitting as judge while all the people stand around you from morning until evening? Moses Moses replied to his father-in-law, Because the people come to me to inquire of God. Whenever they have a dispute, it comes to me, and I make a decision between one man and another. I teach them God's statutes and laws. What you're doing is not good, Moses' father-in-law said to him. You will certainly wear out both yourself and these people who are with you because the task is too heavy for you. You can't do it alone. Sorry. (sighs) Sorry I'm yawning. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the thing that's not good isn't that Moses is doling out justice. What Jethro was saying is it's taking up all your time, and you're going to burn out, and these people are going to get frustrated waiting in line all day for you to make all these judgments. And so he's going to give his advice to Moses here in a second. But one thing I wanted to talk about, there's a book called called uh, Habitudes. It's actually like three um, iterations of it, volumes of it. And it's habits that produce leadership, attitudes, and something else. I don't know. But they call them Habitudes. Habitudes. In order to remember him. And it's a it's a good book for leader to you know leaders to read. Here's a pop quiz for you. What makes a good leader? Think about it a second. And you probably got it wrong, and the reason being is you probably thought of like character traits, but honestly, what makes a good leader is someone who has followers. That's sort of the flat-out basic definition of a leader. There's several people you're going to meet in life who believe they are leaders, and they're not. And how do you know they're not? Because no one follows them. Ta-da! Um, when I was in high school, this was a very interesting thing t- for me that I didn't really understand until about senior year. Because I, uh, I, wasn't, I was popular in the sense everyone knew me. I was not necessarily popular in the sense that everyone cared about what I thought. Um, But our uh, quarterback was, and that basically meant that he was a good leader because he had people following him. Now, whether or not he was good in the moral sense, which actually our quarterback was, but, you know, in general, whether that means someone's good in a moral sense, that's a totally different topic. But to be a leader, you have to have people following you. And there's a lot of people who want to be leaders, who go to train for leadership, but no one follows them. So they're not actually leaders. And it's kind of sad because they're they're wasting their time. Now, on the flip side, you have managers. What's the difference between a leader and a manager? This is very important if you go into business to figure this one out. Managers manage processes. Leaders lead people. Now it's an issue when you have managers managing people because people can't be managed. They don't like being managed. They like being led. And these are two totally different things. And so you have some personalities out there that make excellent managers. The more engineer type, the more administrative type, they're good at organizing things and scheduling events and determining efficient processes, but they are terrible with people. And then you have really great leaders that are amazing with people that can rally people to do great, great things, but they're terrible managers. And really, a business organization takes both. And In a sense, I would say a household takes both. I'd say in my personal household, I'm a decent leader, and Allie is an excellent manager. I mean, she budgets our time, helps budget our money. She manages the processes. She schedules our events, our outings, our dinner nights, all of that. She's great at it. And I'm good at setting the vision for our family. That's leadership and getting the family involved in pushing something forward. So, I think every great organization needs both people. And the problem I see with a lot of employees is they complain about having terrible managers because those managers shouldn't be managing people. They shouldn't be anywhere near people. They, those organizations need to grow and find leaders. So, there's just a little bit of talk on, I could actually do a whole podcast on leadership. It's something that I, I, I've studied. Um extensively. It took classes in college, was mentored about it in high school, read tons of books. But I think there's just lots of misconceptions about who a leader actually is and who's who is not. Because I've had so many people tell me, Oh, I'm a leader, I think I'm a leader, I lead, and then I look at their life, I'm like, no one is following you. You are obviously not a leader. You know, quit trying quit trying to put a, a round peg in a square hole because your parents told you that you're going to one day be president. I just hate to burst the bubble, so there you go. Um, Jethro is basically pointing out to Moses, Moses, you are a great leader, and he's about to basically say, "But you're not a good manager. Let me show you how you need to manage." All right, so he says, "You can't do this alone." Verse 19. Now listen to me. I'm going to give you some advice and and God be with you, you be the one to represent the people before God and bring their cases to Him. Instruct them about the statutes and laws, and teach them the way to live and what they must do. But you should select from all the all the people able men, God fearing, trustworthy and worthy and hating bribes. Place them over the people as officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They should judge the people at all times. Then they can bring you every important case, but judge every minor case themselves. And this way you will lighten your load and they will bear it with you. If you do this and God so directs you, you will be able to endure. And also all these people will be able to go home satisfied. This is fantastic advice on so many fronts, but I just want to reiterate the fact that Jethro is managing processes. He's saying this process isn't working. It's actually not good for you, Moses, and it's not good for the people. We have an administrative backup here. So I'm going to advise you, and only if God says this is a good idea, which is a great caveat, I'm going to give you a little bit of wisdom here and tell you that you need to break up the... the, Um, headship here to where you train godly men beneath you to handle some of the minor cases, and they send you any of the very difficult cases that they're not trained in. So he's Jethro is telling Moses he needs to create a government organization instead of just having everything thrust upon one person. This is a great duo. Moses is a people person. He represents God to the people. But Uh, He's not a great manager. Meanwhile, Jethro, who has managed a farm basically his entire life, a household, um, he's got great management skills. And when you pair the two, you're going to have a very well-functioning organization. And this is true from the government to your corporations all the way down to your families. Secondly, I want to talk about going back to habitudes because I never really explained that. One of the habits and habitudes um one of the images i'm sorry so the book basically gives you these images and the images are supposed to instill habits and attitudes in you you're supposed to think about them one of the images which is just a chapter of the book is of what it calls a starving baker think about that for a second because it's ironic obviously imagine you Um, run a pastry store and you just make the best donuts, bear claws, just the most beautiful pastries. And people line up. I mean, like we have bakeries like this, uh, that that pancake place downtown, Five Daughters. People line up to get into these places to get their, their pastries. Well, people are lined up around the block for your pastries every single day and you're just doling them out. You're selling these pastries and you're working your butt off. But... The problem is, you're so busy serving all of these people, you never take time yourself to eat. And as such, you're starving. This is, out of all the habitudes, this is the one that stood out to me the most because it's something that I am prone to. And if you look at the top CEOs and world leaders, they're prone to it. Look at um, Tesla, if Tesla is still around, which I suspect it probably is thriving here in the future, but um, Elon Musk, the CEO, that guy's nuts. He doesn't sleep. He, I mean, like everything conventional that people tell you to do health healthily, he's not doing. He's a workaholic. I mean, you're talking hundred-hour weeks. I've probably only put a hundred-hour weekend once in my life. So he is a starving. He's what I'd call a starving baker, and people like that don't live long. Um. They burn, they burn out. Don't become like that is what this habitude is saying. Take time to eat yourself because, and here's the the kicker. If you aren't fed, you aren't going to be able to feed other people. So this is a great advice for anyone who's a pastor, um, a manager or a leader or a head of any, any organization, uh, an entrepreneur, especially, You need to take time to eat yourself in order to be able to feed other people. Don't burn out. And Jethro is basically telling Moses, don't be a starving baker. You have so many obligations. You you don't have time from sun up to sun down to to judge these people because then you're not going to get any sleep because all you're doing is thinking about the next thing you have to do, which then creates a pattern of insomnia, which I've personally experienced those issues where I, can't, I go to bed and I'm in bed for like six hours and I can't fall asleep because my mind is just, well, okay, well, I got to do this tomorrow, that tomorrow, that tomorrow. And it's hard to, to calm and, and give peace. And, you know, whenever you get to that point, you realize that you need to start delegating and you also probably need to start getting some physical exercise. You probably need to start eating healthy and you need to indulge a little in escapism. And that might be a movie, that might be a video game, or just a book, um, or a little bit of television. But um, those things aren't bad, especially if they're in moderation. So we'll keep reading. But I wanted to talk a little bit about leadership. It's very important, and I think Moses is learning a wonderful lesson from Jethro. So this is a this is a great uh, character trait of Moses, is what we're about to hear next, which is... Um, Moses listened to his father-in-law and did everything he said. So, he's teachable. This is a great quality, especially in a leader who is prone to pride. Just the position alone makes you prone to pride. To be teachable is great. There's always something you can learn, no matter how old you are. And there was a... I recently hung out with South Africans who were visiting... And I was just explaining kind of how the U.S. uh, Constitution works, how presidents are elected, because they just didn't really understand the Electoral College, all that. One thing that one of the guys was really shocked by was our age limit for being a president. I believe it's 35 years old. You have to be over 35 years old. And he thought that was crazy. He's like, well, why? Like, why is there an age restriction? Well, for me, it's really, really obvious. Uh, Me at 30, I'm a totally different person than I was at 19, especially my beliefs, my political beliefs. But having more experience, having a wife, having a child, running a home, paying taxes, all of that, it gives you wisdom. And it makes you understand and look at another side of the coin that just when you're younger, you don't have access to. So Jethro, having lived much longer than Moses and probably having endured many nights of burning out, um, has great advice. And it's important that no matter how old we get, that we are open and teachable and able to listen to good advice. And even if you think no one can teach you anything, pick up an old book and get ready to be surprised. I love reading C.S. Lewis and G.K. Chesterton. Um, The wisdom... That those people had there's several other authors you could look at but it's just it always astounds me and i'm never i don't think i'm ever going to be so wise even the, even scripture obviously scripture but i'm never going to be so wise that i can't learn something new and especially from my own dad everything that um well i'll put it this way everything i try to do my dad knows a better way to do it <laughs> When it comes to, like, fixing my car, building something, whatever, he's got great advice for it. Um, And so, it's great that Moses has his father-in-law to get that kind of wisdom from. That's all I got to say. So, he listened to his father-in-law. So, Moses chose able men from all Israel and made them leaders over the people as officials of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. They judged the people at all times. The hard cases they would bring to Moses, but every minor case they would judge themselves. This is a lot like our judicial system, where you have um, cases being sent up the chain all the way to the Supreme Court. Moses is like the Supreme Court. Then Moses said goodbye to his father-in-law and he journeyed to his own land and That's the end of chapter eighteen. I feel like that was a good chapter. i'm really I feel good about everything we discussed. There's a lot more I could talk about leadership. A lot of qualities are just not taught any any longer. I will say this: if you are a manager and you are in that role and your organization has you over people, try reading some books on leadership. Try picking up Habitudes. Pick up uh, John John Maxwell's uh, works. He has like Leadership 360. It's actually kind of a dry book, I'm sorry to say. There's several books out there on leadership that can really help you, and your people who you manage are going to love you for it. One of the best things that you can do for people under you in any organization is every morning ask them, is there anything you need from me? Because that allows them, um, it opens them up to have the resources they need and it equips them and empowers them for that day to get done what they need to get done. If you are able to supply that, it also makes it inexcusable <laughs> for them to not be working and, and crushing stuff and getting it done because, They've already answered whether, you know, if they said, no, I don't need need anything, I think I'm good to go, then it's not you holding them back. So just a little tidbit there. I could give a lot more. So I might do a whole podcast on leadership down the road. Until then, this is James from The World's Last Night.